0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Oh, thank you Jesus. I love that song. Man, that just that song moves me. So will I. Mm. So will I. Amen. I think about what he did for us and his sacrifice. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. Can you say amen? amen? Have I ever told you what an honor and privilege it is to be your pastor? I wanna tell you, amen, it is a privilege. Hallelujah. You know, Pastor Pennington used to always say, I remember he would get up and he would, he would, uh, he would say, I just can't believe that you guys come hear me preach. <laughs> and I, I never really understood that. I never really, you know, it's like, okay, whatever, you know. And now I get it. It's like, wow, you came again? You, you showed up again? <laughs> it's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's a good thing. God is so good. Wow, is he good. Amen. You know, when the, world, when the world looks at you and tells you everything is wrong, God says, no, 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 everything's right. God says, in me, everything's right. I love the fact that we can be lost and hid in him. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, this morning, we are going to finish up um, uh, the series that we began on the Lordship of Jesus, and I almost thought this morning in the 8.30 service that we weren't going to get done, kind of had to press there a little bit at the end, so you just bear with me this morning. Now, what I want to do, I want to begin by um, making a few comments about what I'm going to say. and so the thing that i want to do i hate I hate putting out a, a disclaimer because what i don't want to do is i i am not saying this as an apology i'm not apologizing so don't uh, don't misunderstand that because I believe with all of my heart that what i'm about to say this morning is God speaking. Um, I could tell you this I, I definitely know he's speaking to me, and so um uh, I believe that God is, is doing something wonderful. And so this morning, I want to say to you that, that I'm probably going to rearrange the furniture a little bit. And, and so um, sometimes I think that we need that. I, so you say, well, what does that mean? What, you know, tell us what, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is I, I want to challenge you. I want to I want to kind of uh, maybe get on the inside of you a little bit and rat, <laughs> rattle around and, and get you to think about where you're at and, and, and think about what's going on in your life. And so, in 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 doing so this morning, I, I'm I'm going to paint a picture, uh, and I I know the picture that I want to paint. And oftentimes, what we when we don't understand what's going on. Um, in a picture, there's what's called contrast. And contrast is the difference between light and dark. It's, it's light on dark or dark on light. And what that does is it gives it depth. It gives it, it, gives it fullness. And so today, I'm gonna, I'm gonna create and paint a picture and bring a little bit of contrast. But what I want you to do today is I don't want you to just admire the picture, okay? I want you to find yourself in that picture. And I want you to get real honest with yourself, and I want, you to, I want you to locate yourself because that, that, it's so easy as Christians to just kind of phone it in, isn't it? It's really easy to come to church and hear another good sermon and, and go, wow, we had a great time at church and have no real impact to have it to where it doesn't really change anything. I could tell you this, you know, I've been in church long enough and, and been around long enough. I, quite frankly, I'm tired of getting stirred. I want to be changed. Amen. I love being stirred, don't get me wrong. I love the stirring. But if it's stirring just for stirring itself, then I can get stirred elsewhere. You know, I can watch a good TV program and get stirred. What I want is to be changed. I want God to come in and change me. Because what I want more than anything for this church and for my life is I want to be all that God's called us to be. Can you say amen? I want to be the person God's called me to be. I want to be I want to I want to reflect the blueprint that he has for me. And I believe that's true about you and I believe that's what you want. And so this morning Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 and 11 have been our text for this series and we'll just read it again as a launching point. It says therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That is such a powerful portion of scripture. We need to, if you're the type of person that commits scripture to memory, this would be a good one, to commit this to memory, to always remind yourself of the position of Jesus in your life. Now, I have to say this morning, I have been asked on several occasions what I envision our church to be. People have asked me, and there have been many assumptions as to what I was thinking or what I had intended for the church. What, you know, I, I've heard people say, well, what is, what is he, why is he doing that? What is he thinking? What's he intending? And I've, I've heard everything from the absurd to the benign. Uh, You know, some have said, oh, we're becoming like that church, or we are going down that road, or we're going to become like that person. And I can tell you this morning that's simply not true. And so if you will permit me just for a moment, I want to set the record straight. My vision, my hope, my prayer has been that our church would be a vibrant Living family of believers where the presence of God is changing lives. That we would be a church where anyone can receive grace, find hope, and experience transformation. A place where we reach the lost, where we restore the broken, and we release people into their destiny. A place where the individual is important. Can you say amen? Amen. And I've discovered that for such a place to exist, there must be a commitment, not only on my part, but on your part, to walk in and live out the deeper and more weighty things of God. Can you say amen? amen? Just because we envision it doesn't make it so. This is the problem today I think with a lot of Christians is a lot of Christians aspire to a level of Christian living that is really very biblical and very true but they're not getting there because they just don't live it out. Can you say amen? In Hebrews chapter 5, Uh, the author of Hebrews captures this thought in verse 12 through 14. He says, you've been Christians a long time now and you ought to be teachers or you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things a beginner must learn about the scriptures. You are like babies who drink only milk and cannot eat solid food. And a person who is living on milk isn't very far along in the Christian life and doesn't know much about doing what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who have trained themselves to recognize the difference between right and wrong, and then do what is right. What would you think this morning, in light of that scripture, what what would you think this morning about someone who never got serious about growing? or developing in life. Think about it just for a moment. Imagine a person this morning for no other reason, there was no handicap, no physical or mental or emotional handicap for just no other reason than just not doing it. They remained completely undeveloped. This person can't read, they can't write, they can't work, they can't even feed themselves. They are totally dependent on others. Years have passed and their refusal to grow has left them severely handicapped. What would you think this morning? I think that we would all think that that's a little bizarre, wouldn't we? I think that we would all look at that and go, man, that's sad and wasteful. How could somebody waste their life In nothing. How could they waste their life on nothing? Yet, this morning in the Christian world, that very scenario is happening over and over again spiritually. There are Christians today that when I say, when I use this term, they're refusing to grow, it's not because they're bad people. It's simply because they have just chosen not to For no other reason. I read something the other day that has captivated my thinking on this subject. Rick Renner, who has written many, many books, he's written this. He says, Many believers who have known the Lord for years have remained at the same level of spiritual immaturity ever since they were babies in Christ. They never applied themselves or got serious about their spiritual growth. The result is they continually remain spiritually immature. Although they've been saved for many years, they are still sitting in the beginner's class in Sunday school with children, figuratively speaking. They should be much further along in their spiritual growth, but because they were never diligent about their walk with God, they just kept repeating the basics over and over again. That captivated my thinking. That gripped me. Because if there's any problem that we as Christians must deal with this morning, it is our dedication to spiritual infancy. The greatest need of the church today is it's not, the need is not greater number of Christians. It's not Christians that are wiser or more talented because the greatest need today is Christians that are simply not superficial, but are mature. That's what we need today. We need, Jesus turned the known world upside down with 12 people. It says about them in the book of Acts, it says the men that have turned the world upside down have come here also. Jesus doesn't need a lot. He just needs someone that says, I'm gonna walk it out. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. See, one man put it this way. He says, superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not greater number of intelligent people are gifted, but those that have come to a place of maturity. That's what we need. See, there's been a dramatic shift this morning in our society, and it's come over the past generation. We've we've gone from involvement to entitlement. Are are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, We've gone from a sense of duty and responsibility to a demand for services and entertainment. Are you hearing me? Society today emphasizes... How do you feel being more important than what should I do? Now, there's no doubt this morning. Don't Please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. I am and God is very concerned about how you feel. But let me tell you something this morning. If you are doing the right thing, how you feel will, will adjust itself. What you do has a lot more to do with how you feel than you can ever imagine. Can you say amen? It's tragic, but Christianity often reflects society and probably the greatest weakness of Christians today is that they fail to move on into maturity. And if we're not careful, we will strive to be happy rather than holy. Are you hearing me? Our focus in life will to feel, be to feel good rather than to be faithful or godly. Are you hearing me? See, the Bible clearly teaches us that Jesus wants us to move towards a, a mature walk with God. That's what he wants. He wants us growing. It's just like when I look at my grandchildren, I look at little Oliver little Titus, and I love the fact that they're growing you know, they, you know, Titus has come out of that baby stage now. He's a little boy and Oliver is really, he's all boy now. And it's, you know, it's just great. It's, it's, it's great watching them and seeing that. And so when I look at them, I desire growth in them. I want to see them grow. I love seeing them advance. Well, so is it with God. See, growth should be this morning a normal part of our Christianity. It really should. The problem is, let me let me tell you something, let me show you something. I said this at the end of uh, 830 service, but I'm gonna say it in the middle here, is that what we do is we put a lot of emphasis on faithfulness. Well, I've been faithful, I've been faithful, I've been faithful, and that's great, I'm, I'm happy for it, but the problem is that's not enough. See, a tree can live in the garden till it's got a great big trunk about this big and we can count its rings. And what we wanna do is count the rings as if that's our spirituality. But Jesus has never been about that. He's always been about fruitfulness. Faithfulness never trumps fruitfulness. Fruitfulness always trumps faithfulness. And growth, look at growth only comes through fruitfulness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so what we have to do is we have to begin to see where are we at spiritually, where is my spiritual growth at, not by how many years I've been in, but by the kind of fruit that I'm producing. What is my life producing? Can you say amen to that? That's why this morning, that's why this morning, the subject of lordship and the lordship of Jesus is so important. See, if we want to be the kind of Christians, the the kind of sons and daughters of our Father in heaven, if we want to be the church that we've envisioned making a real difference in the world around us, then we are going to have to embrace his lordship and submit ourselves to it. Can you say amen? Amen. I believe this morning this is the heart of God. Amen. Amen. I believe that this is what God is wanting right now. I, I think there's a lot of things that God's up to, but God's heart is longing that people would grow to him, and it takes us being submitted yeah. to his lordship. Yeah. Now, I know you're probably wondering, did he get up on the wrong side of the bed today? <laughs> you know, what? what? Did, 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 did somebody smack him around? or, No, no. i i'm I'm not angry i'm not upset it's not i don't even have a bone to pick to be honest with you it's not like i'm looking at the church and going ah you bunch of babies that's not what i'm saying this morning but what i'm saying what i'm trying to communicate to you this morning is that this is something we need to pay attention to i want to get your attention if i can I want you to take examination. I want you to look. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40, it says, let us examine ourselves and return to the Lord. Somewhere we gotta look, sometimes we gotta go, wait a second, what's, what's really going on in this place? Can you say amen? And I believe that this is healthy and necessary. I made a statement in the last two services that we had uh, in this sermon series that, and I used a quote that I really want to explain because I I had a a couple people ask me about it because if you don't understand the quote, it can kind kind of sound a little bit condemning. And this is what I said, as I said, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then Jesus is not Lord at all. And I had some question me and they, they said, they came to me and they said, well, that, that seems a little condemning. They, they said, who is, that one person said to me, who is completely surrendered? Is there anyone that is complete, that's got every area of their life completely surrendered? Because if they don't, then that statement means that Jesus is not Lord. Well, let me say this first of all, Jesus is Lord independent of your surrender, but hang on. Let me, let me just say something to you. This is not talking about something that is in the moment. This is talking about a process and a, and a heart condition. Yes. Listen to me. This is talking about, because there's none of us in this room today that have everything surrendered. I'd like to think that I do, but I don't. My wrestling matches every day just tell you that I don't. I wrestle with a lot of different things. And the reality is, there's, we don't all have it surrendered. But does that mean that he's not our Lord? No, because somewhere along the line, I have a heart condition. I have a, a position of my heart that says, I will surrender all. See, it begins with a willingness to obey, to submit to his authority and his will. It begins with this desire And I believe there's a lot of people, I talked about it last week, I believe there's a lot of people that want to be submitted, but what they never do is they just never make that decision. And what this is, when we talk about this, when we talk about this, him being Lord of all or not all, it's the statement that says, today he's Lord of all. And in this area, and if that means every hour of the day, if that means every minute of the day, I find one more thing that I must surrender He said, well, what does that look like? Let me see if I can make that, make this real to you. So for me, one of the struggles of my life is about success and how you measure success. So I have a tendency to measure success by counting. So the more people in the room, the more successful I am. But the reality is, is that is simply not true because Jesus was successful and he never had a church this big. Are you hearing me? And so what happens is I come into a room and I I, I see empty chairs and I, I begin to worry and I begin to think, oh, dear God, we're not successful. We're not living up. We're not doing, we're failing. We're falling aside. And God says, that has got to be surrendered. So what I do is in the song service, I lift my hands and I go, I give you the church. It's yours. It's not mine. It was never mine to begin with. It's yours and I surrendered. I give it over to you, Lord. It's your church. So that's got to be done every day, whether it's in the area of where you struggle with or what I struggle with. If it's a, an addiction or if it's some sort of obsession or if it's some sort of thing that torments you, you got to surrender that. You got to say, you know what, God, I'm giving this to you. There's got to be a decision. Amen. You can't just want to. You got to do it. You got to decide. Right. And then that decision must be energized by a determination that says, I'm going to keep this. I'm not gonna, I'm not. And if this means I gotta surrender this church 9,000 times today, then that's what I'm going to do. And it's got to be followed. It's gotta be put together, held together by discipline. In other words, we've gotta discipline our mind to this. Can you say amen? Literally what we're talking about when we talk about this is we're talking about taking responsibility for what God has given us. Being the stewards over the gift of God in our lives. Can you say amen? Amen. And we ask ourselves, what did he give me? Well, he gave me abundant life. Now listen to what I'm saying. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He says, I came that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. In the Amplified version, it says the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. He says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in its abundance to the full until it overflows. Yeah. That's what Jesus came to give me. Jesus died on the cross so that I could walk in abundant life. Now, is that a true statement or not? It is absolutely true, it's in the Bible. It's clear. It doesn't need a lot of exegesis. You don't need to take and define all the words. It's right there. The devil comes to rip you off. Jesus comes to give you abundant life. That's the bottom line. But this abundant life, church, is rooted in the lordship of Jesus. Psalm 23, verse one, we talked about it two weeks ago. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That word want means lack. I shall not lack. The shepherd makes me to not lack, but the shepherd is my Lord. The Lord, who is my shepherd, causes me not to lack or to live in abundance. Can you say amen? And when we talk about growth and maturity and the lordship of Jesus, we're talking about being healthy, aren't we? Healthy in every way. Healthy in body, soul, and spirit. And the reason that we know that is because the lordship of Jesus affects every area of our life. It affects my physical life. It affects my mental life, my spiritual life. It affects me in every way. Can you say amen? Submitting to the lordship of Jesus is the only lasting and permanent avenue and way to live in abundant life. Now listen to me this morning. <clears throat> when I talk about abundance, we're talking about more than money. Now, no doubt that money is included in that. The problem is, is the church has done enormously uh, uh, d- great damage to this idea. Because on one side of the equation, the church has kind of embraced the thing. And, and, and you say, how do you know that? Because the moment somebody in Christianity gets a little bit of money, everybody goes to suspect amen so they think well if he was really spiritual he'd give all that away and just be a pulper as, as if that spirituality was measured by how little i had that ain't true the other side of the coin is the church has embraced this thing that if i've got a lot of money and i got a big house and i drive a fancy car and all of these things then i must be spiritual that ain't true either Both of those are lies because abundance, abundant life has nothing to do with what I have, but who I have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, there is no doubt because the Old Testament, oftentimes in the Old Testament, as God's providence would show up in people's lives, abundance came with it. Amen. They were made wealthy. Why? It was just a natural byproduct of God's presence in their life. Are you hearing me? See, abundance this morning is what you need. It's really more than you need. It's more than what you need spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, relationally, or socially. When you need it. Now think about this for a moment. Think about Joseph, who has been a falsely accused. He's he's in prison. His need at the time was not a big house on the hilltop. What his need was was emotional, spiritual, and mental health so that he could rise up and become the leader of the prison. Amen. So God gives us abundantly what we need for our life, our lane. This is my race, not your race. And God has given me abundantly what I need for my race. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it comes in all different sizes and shapes, and it affects everybody. That's why comparison is so damaging. Because if I look at you, and I go, well, look what you got. How come I don't got it? Well, because you don't need it. Because you have something they don't got because they don't need it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is how the kingdom of God works. This is the kingdom. You know what the kingdom of God is? The kingdom of God is the power of God. It's It's the divine ability of God impacting the affairs of men. See, whenever Jesus healed the sick, he would often say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. In fact, he even told his disciples, he told, it was actually a conversation with the Pharisees, he says, the kingdom of God is in you. What is he saying? He's saying it's this divine ability. It's this abundance. How many know there is no lack in heaven? God's not sitting down at his heavenly desk, working with his golden calculator, figuring out the light bill in heaven, and going, well, Gabriel, I'm not sure that we're going to have enough this week. Them poor people down in Kingman been draining me. That's not going on in heaven. God's not, he's not lacking. How many know what I'm talking about? There's abundance. The kingdom of God, this abundant kingdom lives in you. Can you say amen? And that kingdom is the realm of divine ability and much, much more. And it's through surrender to his lordship that we appropriate this grace. It's lordship that we get that connection. Think about, it. let me give you an example. Remember Peter? Do you remember when Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water? Why did he walk on water? Is it because Peter was magical? No. He walked on water because he had his eyes upon Jesus. Yeah. Jesus said, come. Come. Just the fact that Jesus said, come, enabled, gave Peter divine ability to walk on the water. And as long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he walked on the circumstances of his life. In other words, when Jesus was the priority of his life, submitted to the Lordship, Jesus said, come, and he obeyed. Are you catching that? get out of the boat, Peter, and come to me. And Peter didn't question it. He didn't go, hey, Jesus, this is water. It's probably 40, 50 feet deep. I'm not so certain this is a good idea. He just said, okay. He got out and he was empowered to walk on the water. And as long as Jesus was the priority, he walked upon his situation. But the moment he got his eyes on the storm, the moment he got his eyes on other things, the priority changed and the ability drained. Are you hearing me? And he began to lose what he had because why? Something was taking the place of Jesus. Let me tell you something. God wants, and it is without a doubt in my life, I could say this as an absolute. God wants you to have more than enough in every area of your life. If you, you name an area of your life, God wants you to have more than enough. He said, How do you know that? I'm gonna prove it scripturally. I'm gonna read, I'm, and I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna do the old pastor thing and twist it around so it sounds good. I am just going to read it. Yes. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace, divine ability, abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Listen to that. Listen, he goes, and God is able. Now, look at, when God has an ability, God doesn't have ability just to sit on the shelf. God uses, it's a willingness to his ability. He wants to give us all grace, all, underline all, grace, divine ability that abounds. It doesn't come like a trickle. It chases after, it's abounding after you, toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work what is he saying he wants you to have abundance in your life can you say amen 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power, divine, that's grace, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by, the, by glory and virtue by which he has been given, given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Listen. Through knowledge of him. This is a knowledge. This is not simply info that we possess. It's a relationship that's founded in the submitting of him to lordship. Can you say amen? amen. Well, I know him. And through that, there's a provision. Third John, chapter, chapter one, there's only one chapter. Verse number two. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things stop right there he wants us to prosper in things you can put what you want in there yes you can and then he says and be in health that means to be he whole healthy as just as your soul prospers How does our soul prosper? All of this, this prospering in things and health is just as your soul. Once again, it's the connection that we have with him in lordship. Can you say amen? Amen. Now here's the grand question for me. Gosh, I got a long way to go. You guys hang on with me, okay? I promise I get you. We're gonna go really quick, okay? Here's the grand question. How do we know if we are truly submitted to his lordship? That's the question. Well, I believe this morning, if we're truly submitted to his lordship, there are several dynamics that in our life that become self-evident. So what does that mean? That means there's evidence of lordship that is produced simply because he's our lord. The first one is our behavior changes. <laughs> yeah, you knew I was going there, didn't you? Think about it. Think about that for a moment. Once we submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus, our behavior should change. And to think that our behavior doesn't change is ridiculous. There's a lot to be said, because I believe in Christianity today, there's a lot of confusion about this, because we mix a lot of this behavior thing with salvation. I'm going to tell you emphatically right now, you need to hear it from my lips, salvation is free. You can't win it, you can't buy it, you can't earn it, you can't produce it, it's free. Salvation is free. That means there's nothing I need to do except what the Bible says to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. Is that right? right. Is, that, is that good doctrine so far? I can't, I can't go beyond that. There's nothing more added. There's nothing. Jesus paid the price. It's finished. It's done. When I come into faith and I exercise that faith in him, it's a done deal over finished, yes. yeah. period. So we are not talking about our salvation today. It's not what we're talking about. So set that aside. We are now going to talk about our lifestyle. We are going to talk about our relationship. We're not talking about heaven and hell rate at the moment. We're talking about relationship. We're going to talk about whether we're living in the fullness of God, whether we're living in the kingdom, or whether we're just struggling to hammer it out. Too many Christians are struggling to hammer it out. Too many Christians are living way, way beneath what God has done for them. In Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, he writes this, he goes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. In other words, I'm begging you by the mercy of God that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or it's the least that you could do. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Is once we come into this salvation, as we submit ourselves to the lordship of Jesus, there is a presentation. There is a living sacrifice that we make unto him. We give him our lives, as it were. Can you say amen? amen? The result is we are no longer conformed to this world. In other words, we don't look like the world. We don't act like the world. We don't sound like the world. We're different. There is a distinctiveness to our lives. Are you hearing me? We're called to be light and salt. I've talked about this a lot. There is, salt is always very distinctive. You never, ever taste something that's salty and go, well, I wonder what that is. You know, it's like, wow, these pretzels are making me thirsty. Why? Because they're salty. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what we're called to be, but when we submit ourselves, we become transformed by a renewed mind. In other words, we're thinking different, and the result is we prove. This word prove is, is, is we're not going, well, hey, I've proven that. No, we prove, we test. We, 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 we validate its strength. Are you hearing me? It's, a, it's when, when metal goes into fire, they prove it. there's, gosh, there's a sermon. There's a series in that, okay? The, The will of God, and it's not three wills. It's not the good will, the acceptable and perfect will. It's the will of God. It's good, acceptable, and perfect. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God's not up in heaven going, well, yeah, you know, that's okay. I guess I'll have to accept that. another sermon Galatians 2:20 he says i've been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live but christ that lives in me and the life which i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself in other words he says i'm not even in this anymore my behavior is governed by the life of christ Are you hearing me? John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he must, and he must increase to embrace the lordship of Jesus means that we strive to in every way reflect the life and nature of Jesus. Can you say amen? In Philippians chapter two, he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is he talking about there? There's the verse. I'm not going to take the time to read the whole thing. But let this mind be in you. He was a servant and that he, he allowed his service to come all the way to the point of the obedience of death. He says, let this attitude, let this perspective be in you. That's who Jesus is. See, when we embrace the lordship of Jesus, we embrace what he says. Therefore, we say what he says. When we embrace Jesus as Lord, we embrace what He does. Therefore, we do what He does. Can you say Amen? The Lordship of Jesus is total and unreserved obedience to what God is telling us. Jesus, this is this. Look, at, this is serious. Lots of things, if if not everything, hangs in the balance in this church. He says in Luke chapter 6, verse 44, he says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord? And don't do the things that I say. Man, that's a good question for the church to answer. Matthew seven twenty-one. he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Are you hearing me? Obedience changes behavior. Lordship changes our behavior. The second thing is we find a deep and lasting contentment. In Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 13 it says but I rejoice greatly in the Lord now at last your care for me has flourished. Again though you surely did care but you lacked opportunity not that I speak in regard of need for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to abase, I know to abound everywhere in all things I've learned both to be full and hungry to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Paul understood the the secret to contentment was not found in the things that he had but in the one that he served that his contentment came from he served a good God see the problem is today when we live in discontent what we're doing was we're living outside of the lordship of Jesus are you hearing me the children of Israel understood this See, they they get delivered. They were miraculously delivered, weren't they? I mean, they were witnesses of a supernatural, aggressive power to deliver them. But when they get into the wilderness, they begin to complain. Oh, you did all that just to bring us out here to die, didn't you? (sighs) Come on. Deep lasting contentment comes from knowing and trusting him comes from trusting him. What does he say in Proverbs 3, 5? He says, trust me with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge me in all your ways and I shall direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes, but resist evil. Isn't what he's saying? says, trust me. He then goes on, he tells us to honor him. Honor him means to submit to him. It means honor him. He's Lord. He is the Lord of everything I have. Contentment leads to uh, generosity. Some of the most generous people you'll find are the most content. Generosity is not about volume or value. It's about heart. And the reason that people aren't generous is because they're afraid. See, when you find somebody that's not generous, it's because they're, they're, wanting to, they're, they're, they're afraid. They're, they're afraid they're not gonna have enough. See, but when you're content in him, you know you have enough. Why? Because you have abundant life. There's nothing left to ever worry about. There's no reason to worry. I got it all. I have the kingdom of God in me. There is no lack of kingdom. There's no lack in him. I have it all. I can be generous. I can give away what I got because God will give me more to replace it. Yes, amen. I don't have to worry about it. I could be loving. I could be compassionate, even to people I don't necessarily like. Come on. Why? Because I'm not afraid. It's just, my love doesn't validate them. My love is just love. I love them. I'm not validating what they're doing. I'm loving them like Christ loved us. The fourth thing that we see, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm moving so fast, but this is what we gotta do, is that when Jesus is our Lord, we strive for excellence. No longer is good enough, good enough. We cannot, church, afford to have an attitude that says, well, that's good enough. We strive for excellence in our personal life, in our private life. Because it's not you that I'm working for. I'm working for him. Everything I do, whether you see it or not, he sees. He says in, in, in Ephesians 6, 5, he says, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. In other words, as unto Christ, you're not serving that master, you're serving Jesus. So when I go to work and I, I know your boss might be mean, I know that he might be unfair and unjust, but your father in heaven is not. And you're not working for the boss. And you got to understand this is written in a time where slavery abounded. It's written in a time where culture and society were wicked. Are you hearing me? I'm serving Jesus not the man. He says in First Peter, look at First Peter 2, 13 and 17. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether the king is supreme. Do you know who the king at this time was? He's the guy that's lighting people on fire to persecute him. Wow. Peter had the nerve to tell me to submit to the king? No, no, no. You submit to Jesus. And that means you submit to the king. Whoever your choice is for president. Oh, you got it, didn't you? You felt it, huh? Man, Christians can be vicious. Do you know God is the one that puts people into place? I like to think that it's all about voting, but it really is about God. God's far more in control of this world than you know. (laughs) <laughs> I just got to get the light out of my eyes to see you for a second. Ah, oh, that's another sermon too. Boy, this thing's loaded with sermons, isn't it? I bring this to a close. We strive for excellence, we do good. And then we measure our lordship by how well we love. In John 13, and 35, he says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. No, no, There's no commentary needed here. There's no Greek dictionary that we need to pull out to discover what he's trying to say. He's saying this, I'm commanding you to love one another. Just like I loved you. How did he love us? He gave his life for us. And he said, by that, they will know that you are submitted to me, that you are my disciple, by your love. So I ask you this morning as we close this service, as I, we bring this to an end, when we look at the four or five things that we've talked about, the, our behavior, our contentment, our generosity, excellence, and how well we love, How's our report card? Is there some areas we probably need to surrender? If you're asking me and I, I will be vulnerable enough to tell you that in every one of them, I have areas to surrender. I could tell you this, I've determined in my heart and and I've determined this at great pain. (laughs) So I want you to understand this wasn't a freebie for me. I have determined that I'm gonna surrender my life regardless of the outcome. I'm trying to figure out that when I when and when I get it figured out I'm gonna to i I've been asking Lord how do you separate yourself from the outcome? I don't I don't exactly know how to break that up. I don't know how to release without abandoning yet. Do you, under, do you understand the statement? And so I'm 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 trying to figure that out, but I am I am determined that I'm gonna live my life surrendered to him. I'm determined. Um, and there's a lot of things that affect me. And I've wrestled this hard. And I know this is, I really believe, because I've believed for a long time and many others have too, that this church has a very special anointing on it. That's not to say that any other church done. I'm not This is not about comparison. I'm not trying to say that we're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I'm not trying to say we're better than anyone else. I'm simply saying that we have a plan. There's a lane. There's a purpose for this church. And I believe what God's telling us is that in order to walk into that purpose, we, we need to submit ourselves to Him. He needs to be Lord. It's kind of like He's saying, Look, you're going to go on this adventure, but you cannot go without me and lead. You, it'll kill you. <laughs> but if I'm leading, you're going to be just fine. There'll be no problem whatsoever. And I believe that God wants to, I believe that's part of life. I believe that's what God's saying to the church. Let's bow our heads. Father, we're so thankful, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for the word that you've given us. Lord, there's so much more that we could talk about, but Lord, we save that for another day. We just ask, Lord, that you put this into us, God, that, Lord, that you would remind us of this every day. Lord, that we would go from this place committed to making you Lord of our life. Lord, that we would take inventory, God, that we would <clears throat> examine ourselves as to the where, the areas of our life that have yet been surrendered. Lord, that we would make that decision. Lord, that we would resist the luxury of phoning it in, being superficial. But Lord, that we would make this about our life, our whole life, not a part of it. And Father, we're careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet all across this place. We're gonna release you today, let you go, let you get home and enjoy your afternoon, your lunch. We love you. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.